grateful for Iban. I feel like I say that a lot, but man, I am. I, I am, and I love you. I love our church. Uh, I was a. Uh, I'm grateful that I had an opportunity to preach last Sunday at our sending church, Riverside, um, which was where some of us came from, and it was just good to be back there. And uh, I hadn't been there in a long time, at least to preach, and uh, lots of new faces there, um, some faces that we know, and um, I told them that too. Um, Man, I, I love them. I love you. Uh, one of the things that God has grown me in is um, on this church planting process um, is love. Um, man, I love for his church, uh, love for my family, and uh, love for friends, and just love. And man, I, that, that's how I know that God is working. Um, <laughs> it's uh, when we're growing in love uh, for his church and for his people. And man, there's a lot of things going on in my life that makes me feel like, man, God, are you working? Like, are you even in this? Um, but then when I, when I really just reflect and look deeply, um, uh, introspectively into, uh, not my circumstances, but in my heart, what is going on in my heart? Not what's going on around me or, you know, with all this stuff, but what's going on in my heart? And uh, that's where I really see God working the most is the things happening in my heart. And I hope you guys can say the same. Um, as we started on this church planting journey uh, more than a year ago, um, man, it's uh, a lot has been happening and a lot has happened. A lot is going to happen. But man, if there's anything that uh, we should be growing in, um, it's love. Uh, man, that's just uh, painted all over the scriptures is, is love. Um, so, man, I, I hope that for you. And, man, I really just want to start uh, today's message just um, uh, talking about uh, this concept of uh, hindsight, right? They say, they say hindsight is 2020. Is that what they say? Hindsight is 2020. Um, what, 2020 is like perfect vision, right? I think uh, I'm not an expert on, you know, uh, eye stuff, but hindsight is 2020. And hindsight is just this concept where, you know, uh, you can't understand why something is happening now, but down the road, whether it's a day or a month or a year or 10 years, um, you, you, you get this like kind of this wisdom, this, you know, you, you're able to look back and be like, oh, wow, yeah, okay, I understand that. I didn't understand it then, right? But sometime later, you're able to look back and be like, wow, that makes perfect sense. You know, like, I can see why that happened. I wouldn't be here now if that didn't happen then. You know, no matter how much, how painful it was uh, that, that it happens, um, you know, we, we tend to see that things just really work out uh, for our good over time. But man, uh, in the moment when something painful uh, and bad is happening, it's hard to see that, right? Isn't it hard to see that and we feel trapped um, we feel like we're in darkness, and uh, man, that's kind of what we're going to talk about uh, today. We're going to talk about this, just this concept of like hindsight being 2020. And I want to know, like, do you guys have you guys ever experienced that? Have you ever experienced like you know something didn't make sense, and then down the road, however time it was, you know, you look back on it, and you're able to see with a, a bit wiser eyes and a wiser heart, and it makes a little bit more sense. Um, if not complete sense. You guys experience that? I experienced that a lot, man. I came to Christ in 2008, 
I gave my life to Christ to, to, in 2008. And right after that, you know, you, you come to Christ, you're like, all right, my life's going to be awesome. You know, Jesus and just, you know, perfection. Well, after I came to Christ, uh, shortly after that, I got laid off from my dream job. Some of you know that story. I've shared that before. I got laid off from my dream job in 2009. And it was extremely disappointing. It was extremely disappointing and it was deflating. It was very deflating and it really, it changed the course of what I thought to be the plan for my life. You know, I had it all mapped out, right? We have our life planned and mapped out and this is gonna happen and this is gonna happen. I'm gonna do this and this and this. You know, we're control freaks and we like to have everything planned out. Well, I had it all planned out and although I trusted God, although I trusted God, I was immature in my faith. I was immature in my faith and I didn't really understand it a lot at the time you know, why it was happening. Um, and I, I thought it was like the end of me. I thought it was the end of me because, you know, my goal was just success and achievement and uh, all these things. And uh, for me to lose my dream job, which was like the pinnacle for what I did as a PGA golf professional back then, man, I thought it was the end of me. Like, I, I was like, man, how can I go forward in this plan that I have? Right. But then like 10 years later, you know, it's been 10 years uh, since that happened. 10 years able, 10 years later, I'm able to look back. I'm able to look back and see with greater clarity to see with greater clarity all that God did through that and after that and how good it was for me, how good it was for me. If it had not been for the Lord, if it had not been for the Lord and his grace and his forgiveness, I don't know who I would be right now. If that didn't happen, I don't know who I would be right now. I just wouldn't know. You know, we can see now, I can see now that what I didn't see then. And that event was really the genesis for who God uh, has shaped me into now. It had to happen that I got laid off from my dream job. Yeah, it, it, it didn't feel good at the time, but it had to happen. God knew that. He knew that that had to happen. It had to happen. And it's brought me through a, a chain of events that really has been awesome. And, um, you know, here we are today, you know, part of this church plant, this, this church, we're a year old. And uh, man, part of this church, a big part of it is, is my testimony you know, uh, this church just wasn't like, you know, started out of the blue. Um, it came from vision. It came from calling. Um, you know, the, the seeds of it really started years ago. They really started years ago. But a lot of it happened because I got laid off from that job. And it brought me from Georgia up to Philadelphia, me and my wife. And we connected into Riverside Community Church. And if that didn't happen, I, I may not have learned about church planting. And if I didn't know about church planting, I probably wouldn't have felt like this calling. And if that didn't happen, right, I, I, I wouldn't have. All these things just wouldn't have happened if it didn't start with that one piece of pain that one piece of struggle uh, in my life. And uh, that's kind of what, again, that, that's kind of what we're gonna be talking about. Man, we've been walking through uh, a section of the Psalms for the past couple weeks now. Uh, man, if you're familiar with the Psalms, there's about 150 Psalms. Um, they were written by King David uh, and, and other song writers. And they're really, uh, the Psalms are songs that give praise. 
They're songs that give praise to God, thanksgiving to God for who he is and what he's doing and what he's done. They're, they're cries, uh, they're painful cries. They're, they're these people that are just crying out to God in, in pain and disappointment and struggle, but also in celebration. You know, as we read the Psalms, we really see real life. And that's what the Bible is, man. It's real life. You know, it's not, it's not some um, picture that, you know, is painted where life is just perfect and kumbaya and, you know, uh, man, the scriptures are so real. They're so real, man. They, the scriptures don't put on a facade or anything like that. They don't put on their, its best face. This is life. But man, but this is how we work life out, man. This is what we need to do. And, and it has everything to do with God. Everything to do with God through Jesus Christ. So we're walking through Psalms 120 through 134, and they're really, they're called the Songs of Ascent. They're called the Songs of Ascent, and it's a very distinct section with a very specific purpose. And that purpose is uh, three times per year, the Jews, they traveled from far away to Jerusalem to participate in the great worship festivals. Man, they did that three times per year. And uh, the Jews didn't just live in Jerusalem. They lived from a widespread area all over the place in the Middle East. And during those festivals, they would travel by foot on these long, slow, seemingly endless journeys to Jerusalem to go to the temple, to go to the temple and they were slow journeys by foot through desert wilderness, and they seemed like they would never end. And these 15 songs that we're going through, these 15 songs were believed to have been sung by these Hebrew pilgrims on their way to the Jerusalem temple. So these psalms are like kind of a soundtrack. You know, you're, you're driving in your car, and you know, or maybe you have like a, a favorite list of songs. You know, um, you know, the, the, these psalms are kind of like a soundtrack for these uh, Hebrews as they were traveling to Jerusalem. And when we see, uh, when we look at Jerusalem, Jerusalem was like, the, it was the highest city in Palestine. It was, it was, Jerusalem is built on a mountain and it's the highest city in Palestine. So they spent much of their time literally ascending. Man, they probably got a great workout. They could probably got a great workout. They got their calves worked out and, and all that stuff. But it was hard. It was tough. And what these psalms really reveal, they, they, they really reveal a spiritual ascension. They sing out a life lived increasingly upward to God. Increasingly upward to God. Like those journeys by foot, a relationship with God is anything but quick. It's anything but quick. It's long, it's slow, it takes great endurance, does it not? You know, day by day we're plodding along. You know, we live, we live in a world, it's a hurried world, Right? We live in a hurried world that's impatient for results. You know, we live in a world where we're just conditioned to have short attention spans, short attention spans, and where we're conditioned in this world to take shortcuts, right? We're conditioned to take shortcuts in this world, and there are no shortcuts in a relationship with God. There's no shortcuts in a relationship with God. But what we see is the way of the world can bleed into our relationship with God. We just want things quick. God, whatever you're doing, I want it now. I want it now. If you're growing me, I want to be this, this complete person that you're growing me into. I don't want it 10 years from now. I want it now. God, God I want you to fix this. And I want you to do it now. I want it all done now. You know, we have little interest in a patient acquisition for virtue. We have little interest in a, the patient acquisition of holiness. 
There's little interest to sign up for a long apprenticeship. And that's what a relationship with Jesus is. It's a long apprenticeship, and it's done on his timing, not ours. And whatever God has for us, we want it in a hurry with as little discomfort as possible. And that's not how it works. So that 2020 hindsight I spoke about, right? That hindsight, man, we just want it now. I don't wanna wait 10 years for hindsight, right? I don't wanna wait 20 years for hindsight. Whatever's going on right now, the pain, the disappointment, the struggle, man, I want it now. Give me that hindsight now. And oftentimes when we don't get it, and we probably won't, when we don't get it, we just bail on God. We're very uncommitted. We just bail on God just because we can't understand something. You know, and we're not on God's page. And we want that hindsight right now. So let's get into the scripture and just kind of see what, what God is telling us here. And we're in Psalm 124. And the scripture is on the screen and it says this. It says this, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. So this is King David. This is King David. David is looking back on his past. Now, we don't know if it was like a day ago or a week ago or a month ago or 10 years you know, ago that he's looking back on, but we know that he's looking back on a past. He's viewing his past in hindsight and he's praising God for what he now knows, right? He's praising God for what he now knows. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, if it had not been, you know, if you read David's story in First and Second Samuel, if you read his story in First and Second Samuel, his reign was anything but peaceful. Here's a guy that was after God's own heart. He worshipped him, him possibly more than any other person other than Jesus. King David was a man after God's own heart, and yet his life was was his, and his reign was marked by disappointment. It was marked by struggle. He was Israel's warrior king. He was Israel's warrior king, and yet his life and reign was marked by battle. It was marked by constant struggle and constant disappointment. You know, David's enemies were always at odds with him, always. They were always at odds with him. Sometimes even uh, his own family members wanted to kill him. He has family members that wanted to kill him and usurp his throne. They wanted to take the throne away from him. Man, can you imagine like, you know, your sibling just wanting to kill you? Seriously, can you imagine that? Imagine just the heartbreak and the disappointment of, of, of your own brother wanting to, to end your life. Man, this is big, heavy stuff for King David. This is heavy stuff for King David, and he poetically saw all this stuff happening around his life, 
looking back on it, right? Looking back on it in hindsight, he poetically saw them, all these things happening as beasts, swallowing up its prey, swallowing up its prey. He saw all these things as torrential floods sweeping him away. That's how he saw these things. He was under like the intense realities of the broken world that we live in and the struggle that he had. And we know through the scriptures that David was often confused. He was often bewildered. Like, this is crazy. Why is this happening? What is happening? He was bewildered at the things that happening and they didn't make a lot of sense at the time. And we know that he experienced fear. As you read First and Second Samuel, you, we know that he experienced fear, he experienced anxiety, but no matter what, no matter what, he trusted the Lord to bring him through it intact. He trusted the Lord to bring him through it intact. In the moment, David didn't allow those moments to be the whole story. He didn't allow those moments to be the whole story. You know, our times of struggle, our moments of disappointment or, or any of those things, they're just a small piece of a greater story that God is doing in our lives and ultimately in his plan of redemption for your life and for the world. They're just these small moments. This greater story God is building and we just can't see it yet. We just can't see it yet. It's kind of like a newspaper headline, you know? I don't know about you, but when I grew up as a kid, you know, my parents would get the paper at the bottom of the driveway, bring it up, my dad would do it in the morning, and I would love to read the sports section, and sometimes I'd go to other things, but not really. I would just read the headlines. I would just read the headlines. Who cares about the actual story? You know, the headlines just give it all, right? No, they don't. Man, the headlines don't give you the whole story. But man, when it comes to our relationship with God and man, we're just looking at the headlines and we see like, you know, these, these moments of struggle and disappointment as the headlines and, and we don't like have the clarity and the, the you know, um, the, the wisdom to see like the greater story that is happening in our lives. And David, man, he, he had a sense for that. Now, of course, as he's looking back in hindsight at what happened, man, he has an even greater sense of that now. But man, if all you're reading is the headline, then you're missing a huge part of the story. So really, what can we learn from David's hindsight here? What can we learn from David's hindsight here? Well, probably one of the clear things that we see here in this scripture is this. God is for you. God is for you. It says, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose against us. Those words, on our side, right? On our side. God is for you. He is unequivocally and absolutely for you. I think some of us don't really believe that. <laughs> I think we read it on paper and we're like, yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, he's for me. I get that. But then when we're living this out in our day-to-day -day life and when the rubber meets the road and in comes all the struggle, the torrents and the beast, the struggles, the disappointments, it doesn't feel like God is for me. We don't believe that God is for us. But his word says something different. God is unequivocally and absolutely for you. 
Listen, this is one of like the harder truths of scripture that we, we, you know, we try to wrap our minds around. God loves everyone. He loves everybody. He loves his creation. He loves everybody. He loves his creation, but God takes a side. God takes a side. That's a hard truth to wrap our minds around as we live our lives out in this world, but God takes a side. The reality is, is he has a special distinguished love for his covenant people. He loves everybody, but he has a special distinguished love for his covenant people, for people who are in this covenant with him. And that's anybody, anybody who believes in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for our sins. When we believe that Jesus Christ died for the forgiveness of our sins, that God sent his only son to save us from the world and to give us forgiveness for our sins, we become covenanted to God. And God has a special distinguished love for those people who are covenanted to him. That's kind of a hard thing to wrap our minds around, that God actually takes a side. He doesn't side with people because they're perfect. He doesn't side with people because they're, man, they're just like amazing um, machines of obedience. He sides with people because they're faithful. Because they're faithful. He doesn't side with those who reject him. He doesn't side with those who reject him. He doesn't side with those who reject his son and what he has done for redemption for you and for the world. Now, he doesn't turn his, his face away and walk away. It's not like that. You know, he doesn't like hate people who aren't covenanted to him. He doesn't just like, okay, you're not covenanted to me. You don't believe in me. He doesn't just like turn his face and, and walk away. He's always there. He's always ready and willing to receive. He wants everybody to know him and to love him. He's there waiting and willing and ready to receive somebody. It's us who turn away. God doesn't turn away from us. It's us who turn away from him. He doesn't side against people in a vindictive sense. He doesn't send like just, okay, he's, he's not on my side, so I'm just gonna rain lightning bolts on him, right? And just punish him with bad circumstances. That's not what God does. That's not what God does. Rather, he really, what he does is just, he gives, he gives us what we want. If God isn't already a God of grace and goodness, man, when we don't side with him and we don't believe on his son, Jesus Christ, man, he, and, and we just want to go our own way, he, he's like, okay, I love you. Go your own way. I'm going to give you what you want. He gives people what you want. If you want life without me, okay. But you're going to experience a life without me. If you want a life without me, okay, you're gonna experience a life without me. And all the consequences and you know, all the, the things that, that we experience when we don't live for him and follow his law and pursue him and love him. If you want life with me, yes, awesome. If you want life with me, then you will experience a life with me, which is amazing you will experience a life with me. So God just kind of like, you know, he gives us what we want. And the things that, you know, we go through, 
aren't always happening because we're just getting what we want, you know, like a, living a godless life or, or something like that. But what's happening is God you're, is we're turning away from him. So we're not getting God and the life of God and the vitality of God in our lives. And yet, because God is so good and his grace is so good, he waits. And he still does awesome things in our lives because he's a God of grace. It's called common grace. For people who don't know him and, and for people who reject him, he still gives grace to them, a, a particular kind of grace to them. Yeah, as, as believers, a lot happens in our lives that, like I said, leads us to believe that God isn't for us. And we start to grow cynical. You guys ever experience cynicism? This kind of cynicism, you know, where, man, my experiences and my, 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 I'm suffering and I'm just completely disappointed, right? And we start to grow cynical. You know, we're often cynical about commercials we watch, right? The, the, the ones that I love are like the golf commercials where it was like Tiger Woods. You know, he's like promoting like a golf ball and, you know, he's like super enthusiastic about it or the clubs and... Um, we, we tend to, because of our cynicism, we tend to discount the witness, right? Because the words were written by a high-paid copywriter and the testimonial was done for a handsome fee and it was practiced several times to get the tone and the facial expressions right so it could be just as appealing as possible to the viewers, right? That's kind of a real cynical <laughs> attitude, right? Although it's actually kind of true. <laughs> that is what commercials are. That is what commercials are. Right, that's true. But the point I'm trying to make is we do this with God. We do this with God. When we hear David advertising that God is for us, God is on our side. Man, when we hear David advertising God that he is on our side, the intensity of real life tells me a different message. The intensity of real life tells me a different message. We have to remember that David was often in intense situations and the resolve in his faith is what allows him to say this. That allows him to say this. Cynicism is a parasite of faith. It's a parasite of faith. It eats away faith. It eats away at our relationships and we have to root it out by seeing the whole story, not just the headline, and we get that from hindsight, seeing that whole story. And it takes time. It takes some time to see the whole story, to get that hindsight. Seeing the whole story comes from some time. But what we can do now is trust that there is a whole story. God doesn't shield us from every hurt. He does not shield us from every struggle or every pain. He allows things into our lives but he actively works on our behalf through it all for our good. Everything that's happening in our lives is for our good. He is for us. And what he thinks is good for us and wants for us is often way, way different than what we think is good for us. Man, we just can't see